obsessed with all things ovine, there is seriously something about sheep and always something new to learn about keeping, breeding and farming them. Welcome to the Sheep Show podcast. I'm Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm and Sheep Stud and your host. The Sheep Show podcast exists to help you no matter where you are in the world, what sheep you breed, what size your flock is. This podcast will help your sheep knowledge and your shepherding confidence grow. And it's a two-way street. I love to hear from you and find out how your sheep journey is going. Contact me via Instagram at Halston Valley Farm or via email jill at halstonvalleyfarm.com.au. Come along on this episode as we explore the amazing world of sheep and sheep farming together. Okay, so to work out the last little part of the worm puzzle, let's have a bit of a chat about what can we do about worms. So we need to understand here that worms generally, even though we think about them living within sheep, about 95% of parasites actually are on pasture. So when we actually look at that, then we need to think about, okay, if the numbers are high in pasture, then that really is a factor for us to consider when it comes to worm management. So how do we actually think about that? So let's just explain what's actually happening here just in terms of the cycle, the the worm life cycle. And I might have mentioned it on a few other podcasts, but hopefully this will summarize it for you. And then we can start to think about, okay, what can we do about it? So worms reproduce inside sheep in their gut, so internal parasites. And then the eggs are excreted through the sheep manure. And then if the environment conditions are right, uh, generally that means temperature and moisture, then the eggs hatch and then those that's into a sort of a L1 larva. And that's the first stage. And then that they then, those little eggs, if you like, hatch out. And then that larva moves on to a second phase and a third phase. Now, phase one and two of the larva changes, they live within the actual piece of manure. But then once the larva changes into L3, it's kind of like a molt, then they come out of the manure and migrate onto the grass. And then if those conditions are right, as we know, particularly warmer weather, then those eggs start to sort of move around and they can multiply really, really fast in that grass. And of course, sheep eat, eat the grass and then ingest that L3 stage. Now, there are a few things that will kill them that we've talked about earlier on, quite a bad drought, uh, very, very high temperatures heavy frost, for example, but generally you will need, and uh, if you think about some of the concepts we spoke about in one of the last podcasts, you're going to need to ensure that the area, the grass area is not under shade or not under trees or not heavily wooded, those sorts of things. So it needs to be able to dry out, it needs to actually get sun or frost penetrating that particular pasture. And that may or may not be possible given pasture that we might run sheep on. So 
based on knowing all of that, then we can start to make some decisions about what's actually going on. And what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to sort of just be aware that once this L3 has has been ingested into sheep, then that internally will develop into an adult worm inside the sheep. And those adult worms, they will start laying more eggs. And then we have this sort of continuous uh, cycle or continuous um, period. Uh, and of course, the more um, worms in the sheep, the more eggs that are hatched. So what we are wanting to do here is think about, okay, well, what can we do to reduce all of these stages? Well, what we can look at is one of the things we can actually look at is look at sheep genetics. Now, some sheep are more worm resistant. Now, if we think about which sheep are more worm resistant, well, of course, you can do your own scientific experiments if you wanted to. However, something to think about would be that sheep that have been around a long time can be worm resistant. So purebred sheep, rare breed sheep, those sorts of sheep can be more worm resistant, whereas more newer breeds may have different worm burdens or different worm levels of resistance. So some sheep are, are, are more resilient. Healthier sheep are more resilient. Healthier sheep with no want, they don't need any vitamins, they don't need any minerals, they are generally better able to handle a worm challenge. So what that means is that they shed less eggs. So if they're able to deal with the worms, then they're going to shed less eggs, which means less eggs then on the pasture, less L1 means less L2, less L2 means less L3, less L3 means less L4. Yep, so that's sort of cycle. Older sheep, lambs are way, way more susceptible to, to worms than adult sheep. So lambs shed more eggs than adults because, of course, there are more worms inside them. So again, we can start to think about what age sheep am I running? And what might the impact be as well? And then, of course, the different types of worms mean that more eggs per female than other worms. For example, going back to our Barbara's pole worm, which got us started on this worm journey that we've been on over the last couple of uh, over the last couple of weeks. So, thinking about those sorts of things can help us thinking about what type of sheep you're breeding, what age of sheep you're breeding. And also the healthiest, the healthier of your sheep, the higher the immunity, the more that sheep is going to be able to sort of fight off or deal with that sort of basically internal, you know, parasite, this sort of concept of, of, a, of a, a, a parasite living within its host. And the healthier the host is, the less likely that parasite is going to be able to so do its thing and reproduce at the, the rates that we you know we've been talking about that they reproduce at. So for us to be successful at managing worms, we need to think about can we minimize the, the, the larva development at critical points? Yeah, now anytime your animals are grazing on pasture, they are going to possibly impact or pick up on on worms and that can then mean that their um their their immunity is going to be impacted so we can start to sort of see that 
um, healthier, faster growing sheep, they're going to be able to deal with the, the worms. And drenching isn't going to be enough, particularly if the worm burden is really, really high. We know that this is, and we know that, again, animals are quite, worms are quite resistant to drench. So this is another challenge. So notwithstanding the fact that healthier sheep, older sheep, and different breeds of sheep might genetically might make a difference, what else can we do? Yeah, what else can we do to reduce this larva challenge that we're experiencing on our farm? Okay, this is like ideal circumstance, but the length of your pasture. Keeping grazing cover long. Most of the worm larvae are in the bottom two centimeters of pasture. So if your animals are having to graze very close to the ground, then they're going to ingest more worms. Of course, ideal circumstances. Using fodder crops. So if you think about it, anything above two centimeters is going to contain low levels of worm eggs and larvae because they just can't literally move up. For example, one of the things that we've been quite dry here, so one of the things that my sheep have been nibbling on is tree lucerne. So quite high, there ain't no worms up there, up, up in those trees, yeah? But this could also be um, things like our chicory that we've talked about quite a bit before. Um, kale would be another um, aspect, plantain even, all these other forages, all these other crops that could help, could, could give us better pasture, less contamination. So all these things can really help um, as well. Um, hay and silage, those sorts of things generally, less larvae in there. So again, that can be a good a good option. I wouldn't be feeding on the ground though in a contaminated paddock, so just bear that in mind. Uh, using different grazing species. We particularly use horses uh, in areas where there are high worm burdens, you know, particularly when I've done a biosecurity worm sort of dump in laneways and things like that, but you can use cattle. And this is one thing I did. Remember I was talking to you about my paddock that was heavily wooded and had a lot of barber's pole in there. I've We've put cattle in there since um, and grazed cattle quite significantly in there that to be able to manage that worm bird and one, to utilize the pasture that was in there, but also so that that could create a safer pasture for the future. And that is something I'll continue to do. I'll continue to alternate species in that really high risk paddock so that perhaps I can use that for lambs. This is a great paddock for lambs that, you know, as, as I mentioned to you before, but because it's quite wooded and shady, I have been noticing that the, the um, barber's pole is higher, but grazing uh, alternative species, different species along the way. Stocking rate. The size of the worm problem largely depends on grazing animal density. This is why if you are running um, smaller flocks, you may not have as big of a worm problem as if you're running thousands. So the higher the stocking rate, the higher the potential for worm problems as well. Here's another one that I think I'll make it, make a bit of a change for next year too, is that grazing young animals before older animals. 
So putting in my lambs, then putting in my older ewes, particularly at that stage, my older ewes will be dry ewes. So they will not have any other demands on their immunity. And therefore, they're going to be more resilient, even if there are worm burdens on those pastures that they might be uh, moving into. And then thinking about using something like our preventative drenching program, and that may actually even mean, or for some of us, using more Barbervax. So particularly if Barber's pole continues to be an issue, using the injectable um, enzyme uh, uh, or having other preventative drench programs for your lambs, particularly just watching them very, very frequently during those high-risk months as well. So those are other things for us to think about. What else? There's more. Uh, I mentioned this in the other podcast, and that is the concept of refugia. So refugia is where you can delay drench resistance. And this is where some of the population are left exposed. So they um, you, you don't drench them. So any animal that you think, I do this with my ewes all the time, any animal that I think, you, nothing's going to kill you anytime soon. You're healthy, condition score three and a half, condition score four, you're fine. Then don't drench that particular animal. And that means that the worms then um, have, they're, they're not going to get so resistance, resistant to drench. And then therefore, you're going to be able to use drench longer. Yeah. So what this means is when you actually put this concept into to place and the, the word refugia actually means refuge. Yes, that's kind of what we're creating for the worms. We're creating a refuge for the worms. So we make sure that there are some drench susceptible worms available to reproduce, and then the worms are not so susceptible, uh, and they remain in that population base. And that means that there, there is uh, worms that haven't been exposed to drench, so therefore when other animals need to be drenched, the drench will work better. Yeah, that's the sort of concept. So not drenching all the animals all the time, selecting animals. This could be random, heaviest, for example, heaviest animal, best condition, or perhaps using fecal worm egg counts or thinking about animals that have got really good live weight gain. This could be reasons what you, why you choose. For me, I just use my observation, anything that looks very chunky, those are the ones that I'm not going to, I'm not going to drench. Um, so this can also help you uh, when you, again, you're wanting to put undrenched ewes on pasture previously grazed by your drenched lamb. And that's going to create that refugia as well. So that can help too. So all those little things can help uh, as well. Sometimes it also can be helpful if you do um, drench a mob that you put them, keep put them back on the old pasture before they go on to clean pasture. That can also help. So you you take the animals out, you drench them, you put them back in the same paddock, and that can also um, help with that a little bit as well. 
You can do drench resistance tests so you can get the worm, the fecal worms tested um, by a vet and things like that to determine how um, how much of an issue you have, how, how much resistance there is in the worm population on your farm. So that can be something else to, to sort of look at as well. Uh, so um, hopefully that's helped you just sort of come up or think about some other things that might help you uh, as well. Um, you know, again, like we talked about before, using the right drench, those sorts of things. So not just using any drench, using the right dose of the drench. So calibrating your drenching gun well, that can also help. And also drenching for the heaviest in the particular mob. That's just kind of the sort of best practice standard that we would um, aim for as well. But ultimately here we're talking about trying to think about all these other things, keeping your animals as healthy as possible, having a variety of pasture to work on, using, if you can, alternative grazing species, using fodder crops, hay, these sorts of things, feeding off the ground, raising young animals ahead of older animals. It's all these, I suppose, a bit novel or a bit different ways of looking at it that could be able to help manage the worms on your farm and hopefully give us a bit more time where we can use drench and we don't fall into this issue where nothing will work and we're really, really in dire straits when it comes to worms. The other good thing is for us over here in the Southern Hemisphere, summer is over. <laughs> summer is over. So again, that's not to say that in autumn we don't get a worm burden, but because of the, those more milder temperatures, particularly with Barber's Pole, the, um, the reproduction rate of that particular worm is lower. So there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but that doesn't mean we become complacent. It means that we just start to think about what can we do better next year. Thank you for listening to the Sheep Show podcast. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode and sign up at www.holstonvalleyfarm.com to receive regular lamb recipes and other sheep snippets via email. And let me know how your sheep journey is going. Contact me via Instagram at Holston Valley Farm or via email jill at holstonvalleyfarm.com.au. And until next time, Sheep well.